I would say the first thing I would encourage someone is to get to know themselves. I think oftentimes we go into this journey, to this battle, to this whatever it is, but we don't know why we are going through those things. We don't stop and be like, wait a minute, let me, let me stop fighting and just sit there and realizing what I'm fighting for. What's the goal of this fight, of this trauma, of this family relationship, what I'm trying to learn from this experience? Sitting down with yourself, asking yourself those questions. Why am I ex experiencing those situations? And what can I do to change this situation? Welcome to Living As You. I'm Patrick Quinn, a brain enthusiast, mental health advocate, and aspiring medical professional. And I'm here today to break down the stories behind the curtain, the moments of inspiration, the defining moments of our lives, and the shaping influences that have led inspiring leaders to live a life authentically to themselves. Our conversation this week is with current Division II tennis player and senior at Franciscan University in Ohio, Gary Pierre. Growing up as a child in Haiti, Gary went through many hardships extremely young, losing his parents, experiencing the 2010 earthquake, living through multiple hurricanes, and dealing with the daily poverty of not having enough food on the table. The one bright light in his life came in the form of his mentor, an angel named Dr. Stephen Kirby, who one day decided to take Gary under his wing and support him after getting connected to him through his sister. After learning tennis and chess from his mentor, Gary became a dedicated tennis star, joining the Haitian Tennis Junior National Team and traveling the world playing tournaments. He ended up moving to the United States for high school where he continued his tennis, receiving a scholarship offer from Franciscan University. At the moment, he's heading into his last year of college fresh off a NASA internship and is currently helping raise funds for his family, who lost everything in the recent Haiti earthquake. Please check out his GoFundMe in the show notes to support him. Without further ado, I'd love to get to this week's conversation with none other than Gary Pierre. Gary, I'm so excited to be sitting down with you. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Living Is You. Thank you so much for, ha for having me. This has, been, this has been so much fun. I still can't believe you came in about a week ago for the Malibu retreat for the Inspiring Children Foundation. You've been here, I think, a week. And I feel like I've known you for like uh, so many years. Yeah. And it's been such a great time. Mm -hmm. Tell me about... Um, when was the last time you were here with the foundation? Yeah, I was here in December for the alumni winter retreat, uh, which was a great experience as always. So uh, since I don't live in Las Vegas, I always try to come back whenever we have those retreats. So yeah, that was the last time I was, I, I was here. Well, I'm so excited to have met you. <laughs> I'm so glad you came to the Malibu retreat. And I know so many people are excited to obviously have you back. Uh, so grateful that you're willing to just share some of your story. I think getting to hear your story a lot this week in the Malibu mm -hmm. retreat and all the fireside chats yeah. is really impactful, not only for me, uh, but for a lot of other people because you've gone through a lot of hardship, uh, but also a lot of just formative experiences that are really, really powerful and have the chance to really change lives in the way that you're doing. 
Um, so I'm just so excited to to get into this. What do you say we get going? Yes, sir. Yes, Let's sir. Go. Let's do this. <laughs> so I'd like to start things off our conversation today by just asking you to talk about your experience of being born and growing up in Haiti. What was that like? Yeah. Um, so I was born born in the capital of Haiti, and then my mom moved to the south for like a I would say a better life um, which wasn't the case because things would keep just getting worse um, all the time because you know it was me and my five other siblings Mm -hmm. and then it was just my mom trying to raise all of us so every day was just like a daily hardship there was no resting no nothing like that Um, and we were just trying to survive every day there was no future for us and all of that kind of like forced me to be the person I am today and also forced me to grow at a young age uh, to see life from a different angle. But yeah, my time in Haiti was very, it was different. It was very um, not the life like a kid or like a child should experience, I would say, because it, it takes away what's a, what it means to be a child in Haiti um, when you're being raised in Haiti as a child coming from a from nothing. You don't get to experience what it's like being a kid. Mm-hmm. Kind of like go straight from being an adult, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me more about that? When you talk about um, growing up, and obviously you're probably your mom worked really hard. Your mom worked really hard. And you mm-hmm. and your siblings, what was that like? What was daily life like, especially back then when it was, when things were really, really hard, when you were going through that daily hardship? Mm-hmm. It was, everything was very unorganized. There are times my mom would do her best to, you know, find a job or go to work, but there are times she would get sick. So, and then my older brother, who was like, I don't know, 16 at that time, would have to miss class or miss, miss school so that he can cover up for my mom because if, if she doesn't show up, then she would lose the job, right? So, I think like witnessing that, and I mean, at the same time, it was a great experience because we all realized that we couldn't just rely on my mom, we also had to contribute. So there are times I would have to go out of my way and have to find ways of like selling some things. You know, that could be a pair of shoes I don't want anymore. If, even if I do, I want the money. So I would have to go ahead and like sell it until I can financially support my mom and, and just contribute to, to the hardship, the hard work um, she was doing. Yeah, it was very <laughs> uh, not fun, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not something I was supposed to uh, experience, but there are times, you know, life, um, things doesn't go as planned so that's what I got was there a time after you were going through that hardship um, really having to take on so many adult responsibilities as a kid was there a time that things did get better or there was maybe a little uh, a defining moment when you were younger when either you guys moved or maybe your mom got a more stable job Mm -hmm. or maybe there was just just a break there was some sort of breakthrough that came at a time when you needed it most? Yeah, I mean, during my time with my mom, there wasn't really a time I can remember where I had a great time. I feel like I can't even remember a time like that, but I do remember right before the earthquake, my older sister was in Polo Prince. Um, she used, you know, she had a great job at that time, and so she, was, she, she used to stay in the capital and work, and then she would send money to us when we need to. Um, and I remember right before the earthquake, like she sent a bunch of like food and things like that she got from her job. And it was a great experience because I think that was like my first time experiencing what it's like going to bed 
with a full um, stomach and also knowing that when I woke up tomorrow, I'm going to have food on the table. I'm going to have food for like a ne the next week. So that was a great, great experience, honestly, but that didn't last long because after that couple of weeks after we had the earthquake, you know, in 2010, which kind of like took away everything from us. So, I mean, going back to what I was saying is that for us, for my family, it was a, it was a daily hardship because whenever things seems to work out, <laughs> something happens when it's not earthquake, it's like hurricanes. It's it's a family member, you know, going through hard times. So it was a daily, constantly um, struggle for us. And can you describe, especially that time when the earthquake happened? I had no idea you were, it sounds like you were in Haiti mm -hmm. in 2010. Yeah. And your family was there when the whole world was watching on yeah. TV, this devastating earthquake. Tell mm -hmm. me just how do you even begin to describe that event? Although I was young at that time, I still remember it like it was yesterday because uh, it's so real, you know. Just one day, like every day, you know, Haitians were going, doing their things. And then at like, I think 4 p.m. or so, that earthquake happened. Um, and just like that, like thousands of people just die in front of your eyes. It was definitely a time of uh, like no hope for Haitians. But also it was a time for us to realize that like at the end of the day we are humans at the end of the day you see those who are living in like gated community were just sleeping on the street just like everybody else um so that kind of like humble you a little bit um at least it did for me <laughs> although you know my situation wasn't any better but it was terrible yeah I, I you know some of my friends died from that earthquake because like some of them stayed at the school for lessons afternoon le afternoon lessons and then the building collapsed and then the next thing you know they're not there anymore so when I think about those days, just like the earthquake, I realized that, oh my gosh, like <laughs> even though things were hard, things have been hard for me, but I have survived several major tragedy in my life that I don't know how I did it, you know, how I did it from earthquake to hurricanes and things like that. And, and Haiti is still going through those things. Like nothing has changed. Like we, we don't have a stable government. So like it's been a struggle to, uh, for the, population for the Haitians to uh, move forward I would say yeah I'm, I'm I don't even know what to say like, <laughs> like when you share yeah. first of all thank you thank yeah. you for being willing to talk about that um, because I again I can't even imagine being in your shoes and experiencing um, honestly such trauma at such a young age and obviously these experiences have really shaped you into the remarkable dude that you are today um, there's a lot of pain there yeah and like a question that came to mind when you were sharing all that is how do you deal with that hmm. when you're a little kid and you just want to play you just want to be with your family you just want to when you're hungry you just want to eat food you just want to mm. go to sleep yeah how do you deal with all that i don't know i don't even know how i deal with it i think i just you just go with the flow <laughs> um that's that's the vibe I would say in Haiti is that we at least for my family and people who can relate to me in Haiti is the fact that we're just trying to live the day like we don't have a future which is sad but at the same time you realize that we only have the present and that's what we are thankful for so like every day it's like a daily hard work like we're trying to go into work just for the day like there's no money in the bank for like a, an emergency things like that is not a thing in Haiti so this whole earthquake and everything else that happened, I, I had to go through, had a lot of like impact on me emotionally, 
physically and all the ways you can think of because even though you know even there are times we, we don't even think about like just being kids and doing kids things because it's it, 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 it ends up being a, a normal life for us like the struggle ends up being a normal thing for us to do and it causes a lot of trauma and culturally Haitians are not really good at like opening up so it's even harder for us to express things um, again it's just so normal to us we don't even want to talk about it right but it's really not healthy as you can tell <laughs> so when you experience the earthquake and a lot of these really traumatic events that obviously you've brought you a lot of pain and really allowed you to see kind of the, the heart of what it means to be a human to, to, to so we suffer on this earth hmm. um, and you, you've seen that from such an early age how did where did your life go from there where did where did things go how do you even respond from okay the earthquake happens and you said you can picture that like it was yesterday how did you respond how did your family respond Honestly, I think we we didn't have it as bad as like some other people did in Haiti, because that's the thing about living in Haiti is the fact that even though things are bad for you, there's someone out there who are going through like a harder experience. And for me, we were two hours away from the center of the earthquake, so even though we felt, it, even though we saw everything, it was still less intense than people who were actually in that hole of that earthquake. And for my mom, she has always been she was a hard worker, and she. You know, we moved because right after the earthquake, you know, the uh, the ocean got hit. So we ended up having to evacuate for like tsunami and then we ended up having hurricanes. So <laughs> it was a it was a daily struggle for us. Um, so we ended up moving a little bit like 50 minutes ish from where we used to live um, just to kind of get away from the hurricanes because that thing came up and kind of like wiped everything away. So we had to evacuate. But yeah, she ended up building a new house a little bit, I would say due to her savings she had um and it wasn't like even a normal house it was just like a <laughs> like a box like mm -hmm. just for us to um have a roof over our head but it wasn't really anything that someone should even be living in mm -hmm. but it was all we had so or at least we had something <laughs> and so what did what did life look like for you after the earthquake after um, the hur it sounds like there were more hurricanes after that caused you guys to move. Yeah. So you, your siblings, and your mom are in this house. And next, obviously, you're an incredible tennis player, and we'll get to that, how you kind of uh, tennis brought you, it sounds like, to the U.S. I want to hear more of that story. Yeah. But, I mean, what was next? What Were you focused on trying to somehow make money to help your mom or support your mom? Were you starting to think about education or a future? Bring me into your your headspace during that time. How old were you? Um, ten ish, eleven ish. Yeah, yeah. I was still young. <laughs> wow, I can't fully remember what was going on in my head during that time. But I do think it was just me going with the flow. Me having to move to a different community and having to fit in and having to be flexible with the new environment. Um, yeah and i i mean as i as i will share more about my story you'll, you'll understand how even after the hurricane even after the earthquake i was still having to deal with other major hits in my life you know schools and other things was were always part of the things i do in haiti because um, we 
we do take education seriously because as um, Nelson Mandela says, you know, like, you know, education is very important. It's, it's, it's like one of the keys we can use to get out of poverty. So I take my education very seriously growing up, although they're like, there was a year right before the earthquake, I spent a year without going to school because there was like no money to pay for it. Mm. And it was like one of the cheapest schools in the community. I still couldn't afford it. Mm. <laughs> and it was really hard. But at that time, I, used, I you know, I was very good at making friends. So I would just, even though I didn't go to school, I would like, you know, go to my friend's house and study with them and at least know what's going on, or at least try to. Um, yeah, my my youth was wasn't there. It wasn't really um, memorable, like in a good way. You go through all of that. You go through the time when you're trying to obviously stay educated and make education a priority, but obviously the, the money wasn't there for your family. So yeah. you're doing whatever you can to help your mom and your family. Um, how the heck, we're here sitting in Las Vegas, Nevada at the moment. We mm -hmm. just had this epic nature retreat in Malibu, California, thanks to Brian Wolfington and the Inspiring Children Foundation and their generosity. Yeah. How did you get from being in Haiti and being in a situation that most people would say is one of the hardest situations anyone could be in. Not being able to have a full childhood like you've talked about. Mm -hmm. Having to support your, your mom and your siblings. Having to even sacrifice your education to help support the family. How did you get from there to sitting for me right now together in Las Vegas? Tell me that yeah. story. Yeah, that's a crazy, that's, yeah. Um, that's a long story, I would say, but I think going back with me moving to that new community was like the starting point for our change. 2011, I lost my dad. 2012, I lost my mom, which I was talking about. And at that point, I was like, all right, there's nothing for me out there anymore. Like, I'm done. Like, there's no hope, at least even though the situation in Haiti when you have your mom, when you have your parents, it gives you some type of hope. At least you're not fighting alone. But after she left, I was like, um, yeah, how do I move on from here, right? But thankfully, uh, with the help of my mentor, uh, Dr. Stephen Kirby, he's from Reno, which is two hours away from Las Vegas. He's friend with my sister, sister who was looking, uh, who was working in Haiti in the, in the capital at that time. Um, and then she told him about me. And then, you know, he came to the south, like I, and he met me and then he kind of like, he drove me up to his house in Port-au-Prince. And I've been with him since then, since it's been eight years. And from there I started, you know, he, he speaks uh, Creole and French. Um, but- Francais, bien sûr. Yeah, he speaks French, yeah. Uh, il parle français. And then I learned English from him. I learned tennis, chess, and things like that, all from him. Um, and then, I play tennis, I love tennis, and I knew at that time tennis was my way of getting out of poverty. It wasn't even education anymore because in Haiti the education system is very not as good as the US or as the other countries. So I had to, <laughs> you know, try something different. Um, so I used tennis as my way of getting as my my way of getting out of poverty. And then we, you know, I was playing on the national Haiti tennis team. Uh, I used to, I was traveling, all, all of a sudden I was traveling in the Caribbean, coming to the U.S. for like tennis tournaments over the weekend and having to go back to Haiti for school. So it was like a very bougie Gucci <laughs> experience, you know, but yeah, things changed dramatically in like after a couple of years. So if I'm hearing you correctly, 
you met this man, this doctor, through your sister who was working in Port-au-Prince, mm-hmm. and he basically looked at you and was able to see the goodness inside of your heart and say, hey man, mm-hmm. I want to help this, this epic guy out. Yeah. And you guys obviously became really close, but I give you a ton of credit because mm-hmm. you're the one who said, you know what, let me try tennis. Yeah. Hey, you know what, let me try chess. You know what, let me try leaving this country that all that's all I know mm-hmm. and a lot of people might be like oh man well that's pretty cool how life happened this, this guy just popped mm-hmm. out of nowhere this angel and all yeah Gary's so fortunate or whatever and of course you're blessed we're all blessed yeah but you had to say yes to that mm-hmm. and you had to commit and you had to go through the day in and day out grind mm-hmm. of being away from your family obviously losing your parents which I can't even imagine <laughs> Gary I'm so sorry <laughs> yeah I'm so I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, but then you go to, it's almost like opposite lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Like you're with your family, you're growing up. And it's like, how do we even have, I mean, you talked about not going to bed so many nights without enough like food in your stomach. And then you go from, now you're traveling around the world, yeah. competing in a sport that a lot of people would say is pretty kind of elitist sport. It takes mm-hmm. a lot of financial wealth. Yes, yeah, definitely. And you're starting to see the world. And you're starting to see all these things like oh my gosh <laughs> talk about a 180 yeah oh my gosh tell me more about your love of tennis and when you started to play and um, the impact that your mentor has had on your life in these last eight years yeah definitely I mean honestly when I started playing tennis it wasn't a sport I enjoy I was doing it because I had to do it I feel like but as the years goes by, go by, I realized that tennis has humble, humbled me so much. Like I've grown so much as a person, um, not just an athlete. Um, but yeah, I, I love tennis. I, I, I realized that it was my way of getting out of poverty, as I mentioned, and I did my best, right? So I moved to the US, ended up staying in the US because Florida is very tennis focused, I would say. And then I ended up doing high school um, in Georgia and then now I'm playing number one singles and doubles for my school um, in Ohio and yeah it's been a crazy experience and my mentor is an amazing guy you know he he pushed me he challenged me he's <laughs> he's very big into like education and athletic and character so I needed all of these three to succeed and I have them and I have mastered them and I'm still growing you know I'm still growing with them I'm trying my best but um, it's been an interesting journey, and I think my mentor deserves all the credits for it because he's really, honestly, I don't know why would someone come out of nowhere and just decided to spend eight years on an unknown person, and he's definitely um, that, you know, destiny we talked, the, the, he's an angel, I would say, yeah. But he saw something special in you. He did. I don't know what, what that was, but he did see, he saw something. He did. I mean, he would, he would not have said, hey, man, let's go. Let's start on the tennis, let's start on the chess, let's start on all this. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And, you, I mean, I want to hear, you've gone through this experience, now you're obviously, you're here, and you're about to graduate, so I'm going to give you one more year. Congrats. That's amazing. I'm excited. <laughs> you got some great, I think you're doing some amazing internships this summer, and mm-hmm. you're just learning, and you're growing, and I feel like every time I'm with you, you're just making people smile <laughs> with your humor and your joy, and I just want to ask, before we go back to your story, you are one of the kindest, just go with the flow, chill guys, funniest dudes I've ever met. <laughs> and I think a lot of people, if they don't fully get to hear your story, 
they would never know the struggles you went through. Mm-hmm. They would never know that you lost your parents. They'd never know that you went through the earthquake mm-hmm. in Haiti, all the hurricanes, growing up in all this poverty, having to go from Haiti to the U.S. to Caribbean, all this. Where does this, I want to say, goofiness or joy or just, hey, we're good, we're good. I mean, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's been the, 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 the mantra of the week. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> we're just being loose and goofy. Yeah. Where does that come from, Gary? Yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm trying to look back and see where I, I studied this, but actually, like, when I was in Haiti, I was very reserved. There was no joy. There was nothing to be joyful of. Like, my mom, she was the only person I was, I felt comfortable of talking to since when she died. I was like, you know, I kind of, like, went back into my own shell. But since I, like, three years ago, I started working on my healing process. And from there, I've been able to find how much I want to speak with people, how much I want to get to know other people and sharing my story. And also that joy comes just just naturally for me. Like, I, I laugh, like, you know, pretty much about, you know, any situations as long as it's like finding joy in like every little things I'm trying to get since I missed out from my youth I'm trying to get that back and it's you know that I think physically and like um, historically speaking I I haven't really had that um, infant that um, youth experience but it it lives within me um, and I still have that and I think that kind of like helps me keep going too because I don't need other people to be happy or to find that joy. It just it's within me. Uh, I don't know how I cultivate that, but it just happens to be, and I'm very thankful for that. Well, I see that. In you. <laughs> I yeah. see that in you. The way you you smile and share that with people. I think you've done a pretty extraordinary job in the healing process. And I was going to ask if you'd be willing to kind of take me through what that's been like in the last three years, because I know a lot of people right now are going through a lot of hardship Mm -hmm. and i think we're all struggling with something and we're all looking to heal and that's what the foundation we've been so blessed to be here and they're all about healing and taking that time so i think it it would be really beneficial for someone to hear how you've been able to heal and some of the steps you've taken even if it's been a lot of ups and a lot of downs and a lot of can you talk about that yeah sure um three years ago you know right after my freshman uh, year, you know, well, taking you a little bit back from that, why I needed to heal is because not only of the trauma, but because junior year in high school, I tried to commit suicide twice within that year, and I needed something to get me out of it, right? Um, so that's why I was looking for hope. I was looking for a shoulder to rely on, and that's when I came across, you know, getting to know the foundation and the work they do. And I remember watching Cheryl's video, seeing her crying when she's doing the video. I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to <laughs> having to open up and having to cry in front of people. That's not my thing. So I was kind of, because of that, I was afraid of speaking up. I was afraid of letting pe- people know me because um, I get very emotional oftentimes. And then, yeah, so I was suicidal from my junior year in high school all the way until my freshman year in college. And then I talked with my mentor and he was like, well, maybe you should go intern of the foundation so I came here for like a sales and marketing internship and which ended up being me focusing more on my mental health than actually the internship itself <laughs> which was pretty interesting but it was a good a great experience and during that same year I met Ma- uh, Ma- Maggie she's a, she's amazing she helped me 
go through the um, healing process because she went through it. She's another intern in the foundation. Yeah, she's in the foundation, by the way. Yeah. And yeah, she really was there for me to uh, someone uh, I can, you know, understand my story. And she has been to Africa and like some underdeveloped countries. So she understand it. She's seen it, uh, witnessed uh, witnessed the situation down there. So that healing process is basically me digging within and understanding my background, understanding what those, you know, the trauma was about and trying to learn from it, you know, because I was, I feel like even though I moved to the U.S., I had access to a lot of things, I still carry that weight, I still carry that trauma with me in the U.S., and that didn't set me free. And in order for me to be the person I am today, I had to go through that healing process, I had to get rid of, you know, um, forgive myself for the things I've done in the past and also forgive what, I don't know, the experience I had and the people who made this experience. So yeah, I'm still healing. (laughs) I'm still healing and I think it's something we go through every day in different forms and it's been a great experience. And I would say this summer is my first summer in my entire life where I've been so free, like so much joy. Like I feel like I'm at at peace, you know, for the first time. That doesn't mean I have my whole life figured out. That doesn't mean I still have things going on. It just means the fact that within I'm very stable. Like I can allow people to come in. I can allow people to do whatever they want, but that doesn't disturb my own happiness. And if if, if I feel like I'm under attack at any point, I, I know when to leave the circle. That doesn't bring me peace. And how does that feel? It feels great. Oftentimes it's very lonely, but being lonely is something I've, I know it's like I've been there, but that's the process of healing too. Sometimes you have to let go of things. And what was the hardest thing for you to let go of? Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> that's one of my least favorite questions because it's very deep. It's definitely forgiving my dad was, uh, was very hard for me because he died when I was 11, 12 or so. Forgiving someone who's dead is harder than forgiving someone who's alive, because especially when you don't have any connections with that person. And my dad really hurt me a lot for no reason since I was a kid. Um, and I never, I don't know why. So I kind of like blaming myself for all of that, blaming him. But then part of that healing process was to understand why he did those things. And one of the, the reasons I have found is the fact that she was ru- he was running from his own responsibility. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with me. And I had to understand that in order for me to move on because right now he's in a better place and I was not in a better place. So I, was, I wanted to forgive him for my own sake, um, for my own happiness. It was very hard because I went through that process for like pretty much the rest of my, you know, for the past, I don't know, 10 years or mm-hmm. so. And... Right now, I I do forgive him right now. There's not much hatred, but there are times when things are hard for me financially or at school or like with my siblings. There are times I'm like, I want to blame my dad for that. Like if he was there, that wouldn't happen. I wouldn't be where I'm today right now in this situation. But, and it it is still tough for me to even talk about it because it it brings me back to a a situation I I don't like to be at. Gary, how do you even begin to let go of that anger or resentment towards maybe your dad? How do I mean? 
I think that's one of the hardest things to do is to forgive or to release the blame that each of us put on ourselves. How were you able to do that? What steps did you take? First step I took was opening up to people, sharing my story. Because the more you share your story, the more you understand who you are as well. Because oftentimes we we go through those experiences every day or every year and we don't stop and be like, what just happened? You know what I mean? So I had to stop and be like, what did I have, What did I just go through the past 10 years? And I had to dig in there and find every single little thing that happened and having to share that for the people. Because when you share that for the people, they get to see it from a different angle and they get to give you some feedbacks that you probably wouldn't be able to give yourself. And that was the first step, yeah. And then with the foundation, as you said, um, we focus a lot on like mental health and that healing and, and meditation was a big thing for me. Although I'm not the best at meditating, but it is what I go to, what I go with whenever I need to calm myself down, whenever I have to get rid of the negative thoughts and, and seeing where they're coming from and why they're coming um, has been a great contribution to that process for me. And also realizing that, you know, my life is my life. That's something I need to, to live. Because um, my dad, whether it was good or bad, he lived his own life. And that's it. And I need to do my own life, to live my own life. And unfortunately, part of my own life has all of that I just explained. Um, that doesn't mean it's still not worthy, right? I'm, I'm changing the way things, or at least the universe is changing the way things used to be for me. So right now I'm definitely in a better place, which is crazy because I never, <laughs> I never thought that would be possible. Because back, looking back, as I told you, it wasn't there was no future for me. So like, this life wasn't even a thing that I didn't even know this was there was would be possible, um, but it is. Yeah. I remember uh, calling my dad uh, my freshman year of college, and I remember saying, Dad how do you live in this world by yourself? Because hmm. I was so, for me, I, I couldn't see a future. Obviously, our experiences are very different, Gary. Mm -hmm. But that was one, that was a moment for me that I just came up that I wanted to share with you that in a, in a similar sense was like, how do, I, I, don't, I don't see anything else for than today. Hmm. And you talked about loneliness, you talked about going through the fear, the trauma, the forgiveness, forgiving yourself, forgiving other people, letting that go, mm -hmm. uh, choosing to kind of stop and be still. Those are all things I've dealt with and struggled with as well in my life. And mm -hmm. I think I really resonate with everything you're sh sharing in the sense that when we are still and when we are able to just kind of pause and just sit, mm -hmm. whether it's through meditation or reflection or talking to people, or just being aware. Yeah, I feel like some really good things happen, and there's a, there's a magic to the universe. Even if someone doesn't believe in God, there's a magic to the universe. When you mm. look at a flower, like the flower literally just grew. When you look at yeah. mountains, or you look at sun, like it's like what the heck? There's something greater happening. Yeah, you talked about your mentor being a huge part of your life and you talk about him being almost like this angel like yeah. figure and giving you yeah. at least hope to keep going again you're the one who you've put in the work mm -hmm. you've chosen the path yeah it's not just your mentor saying hey he, i mean he could offer you all the things in the world yeah and it's up to you to say i'm gonna actually commit to this mm -hmm. so in terms of giving back 
a lot of people have the idea that you have to be 60, 70, 80, a lot of money in the bank, a lot yeah. of experience. Oh, now it's time <laughs> to give back and yep. make the world a better place. I tend to think, and it sounds like you do too, and I want your thoughts on that. Giving back starts right now. It starts today with yeah. what you have. And you've shown me that in the way that you spoke about a couple of days ago on the retreat. You sending money back to your family in Haiti. And uh, like you, you said, it's, it's hard. Because <laughs> you're in college and you want to go out with friends and have fun, do stuff, which you, hopefully you still have some of that experience. Mm-hmm. But where a lot, you see a lot of people throwing around money or, hey, let's go do this. You know that, hey, there's something in here that's telling you it's the right thing to do to send money back to my family and support them in Haiti. Even though, as you spoke about, hopefully one day they will be at a place financially where they're going to be self-sufficient and be able to support themselves. Yes. That's hard. And you, you talked about that being really hard. Can you tell me more about that experience of giving back and what it means for you or for anybody to give back where they are. Yeah, I think you already kind of like explained it, but my, that's one of the things I learned from my mom. Even though the things were tough for us, she would go out of her way to help in some ways um, to the neighbors or to her own family and things like that. And the way my trauma and the way my mom raised me really shaped me to be the person I am today. And with everything I went through, I realized that my life is not my own. And I think that's one thing I wish my dad saw when he was alive is the fact that what he did would, ha- would have some impact in me. And it's a long-term impact. Like even today, I'm still, I haven't even healed from that experience, right? So I realized that, you know, my life is not my own. I realized that um, I can use my gifts. As I said, I love school. I love those things. Um, I can use those things to help other people to help those who are probably going through the same thing as me and who probably, you know, they don't see a future. And I might be the future for them, I don't know, right? So, and giving back is something I do pretty much on a daily, it's like my daily activity. That could be giving back a smile to someone, right? The simpler things. But on a bigger picture, um, as you said, my family, I have to support them financially, especially my younger brother, because you know, he was still at school, so my freshman year in college, I had to start work, working right away so that he could go to school. Um, You're playing tennis yeah. on a varsity <laughs> team. You're doing full academic load. You're in a new country, and now you have to pick up a full job yeah. to support your brother in Haiti so he could go to school. Yes, yes. It was, it was hard for me because at that time, I just wanted to have the typical freshman experience but I couldn't fully because I was like, oh gosh, I need, a, I need a job. Not for myself, not for me to save money to go to the city at night. It was for me to put my brother at, in school. Uh, because as I told you, I knew what it was like not going to school. And he loves to go to school. So for four years, he's going to graduate in like a couple of months actually. So for four years, I've been paying for his um, high school, uh, which is crazy. <laughs> and if you wonder how much that is, it's not that much. It's like... $800 per year and he's, we still cannot afford it. My whole, it's six of us and my siblings and we still combined cannot afford it. So, and even for me with the job I have in the US, I'm making more money than my siblings combined in Haiti. So I have to take the whole financial responsibility on my own because I acknowledge the fact that although it's, it's very hard, it's very 
uh, traumatized, but I realized that it's, a, it's, an, it's an opportunity for me to give back to my siblings because at the end of the day, they sacrificed a lot for me to be where I'm at right now. And honestly, my family is not my only focus. I also realized that my mentor, for example, his family wasn't his only focus. I am also his focus and I'm not in his family branch. So I realized that there are people out there who are relying on a stranger and I could be that stranger. I could be that angel, like my mentor is my angel. I could be that for someone else. So I've been doing a lot of things since my freshman year until now where I'm giving back to people in Uganda, to kids in Colombia, Nigeria, all over the place right now um, at a young age. and. I'm not rich. I'm not, obviously not, right? Um, and I'm still in school and things like that. But with the little things I have, I still manage to give back to other people. And that keeps me going too, because it brings me joy too. Mm. You know, it brings other people joy, even though I don't even, I haven't met them, but they're out there smiling, they're out there going to school. And that, that gives me hope, you know. You're amazing, dude. Yeah. You're <laughs> Thanks. amazing, because you're choosing every day to take every opportunity you can to give back. Yeah. You are, and that's the beauty in it. It's like I always say, you don't need to be wealthy or have a million dollars to be able to change the world and give back. Mm -hmm. Changing the world is using your experience, letting that shape your life, and then taking every opportunity, even the smallest ones, to, like you said, share a smile, a couple of dollars, whatever speaks to you. Yeah. So that's... You're firing me up, man. <laughs> you're, you're so awesome, Gary. You are, Thanks, you're, Ra. You're so awesome. So I want to know more about you. And it sounds like you have so many interests and areas that you might want to pursue or just things you like. You're, you love <laughs> tennis, chess, yeah. um, making a difference in the world, being that light for so many other people. So tell me more about kind of your interests or you have a year left and again, who knows where that'll, that'll take you. Um, but I'd love to hear more about that, where you are currently in your life. Yeah, definitely. I don't talk much about what I'm doing right now because I actually, yeah, I don't talk much about that. I don't know why. But, so this is my time. Let's see. This is your time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how much I can get out of this. But yeah, you know, I'm going to be a senior in college and studying international business. So I have had, you know, several internships with uh, well-known companies and organizations and like for example last semester i was a financial operations at nasa working on a pretty cool project <laughs> which i can't really talk much about, i cannot talk about but top secret yes sir but <laughs> yes sir everyone listening give us a yes sir for gary yes, yes sir <laughs> but yeah in this summer i'm doing a i'm a business administrator so i get to do finance and operations and everything that has to do with business honestly so my passion is pretty much all over the place um, with the space industry, with tech, with governments. But at the end of the day, my dream, or I hope to be in a place after I graduate where no matter what job that is, no matter what title I have, whatever I'm doing will have an impact on the company or like on the consumers in some ways. Um, and at the same time, you know, I'm very passionate, as you can see, I'm very passionate about giving back. So. My goal is to find a way of balancing, or if anyone has some advice on that, let me know, because I don't know, but is how do you balance, you know, doing, going after what you want to go, which is your own career, your own life, and at the same time, giving back. Because that comes 
depending on like what kind of giving back you're giving it's gonna require more time more energy and for me i can see like having a non-profit or something like that so how do i balance full-time job and a family maybe or like in, in, and also having a non-profit on the side so that's my goal my goal is to be able to give back like a scholarship whatever that is um so i hope that um will be possible so and i'm doing that right now so my goal is to just carry that as i move on to my next stage after i graduate i think you're gonna find that balance in time yeah and i think the balance is never perfect with anything mm -hmm. work school life family but i think it's just as you said earlier just doing what you feel is right mm -hmm. and I, I like to think of it as like okay we're on this journey in life and if we're always looking to get to one place to find the joy or to find the fulfillment or to give back we're always going to just be chasing this emptiness and we're going to this this life that we're living like the the, the actual journey of it it's just kind of like a man we're just trying to check it off get through it yeah so i feel like i mean the vibe i'm getting from you is like in your search and in mine too and as we continue this journey through whether it's professions or nonprofits or anything like there will always be opportunities to give back throughout that mm -hmm. i just feel like that's what it's what you're doing right now yeah every day yeah in, in whatever way that you can and that's like that's the greatest gift right there mm -hmm. if you knew that there were some people going through challenges at the moment gary um who were really looking for light or some hope what would be two things you would two pieces of advice you would give them or words of encouragement in the midst of the battle that they're facing because you've shared a lot of the hardships that you've gone through mm -hmm. and you were at a i mean where you were where you are and where i mean it's the beauty of life but you have some remarkable experience and connection to people that a lot of others don't have. And so if you'd be willing to just share a word or two of advice to someone, if you knew they were listening and really going through that darkness and uh, sensing that there's no future when there is. Yeah, there's always a future. Well, I would say the first thing I would encourage someone is to get to know themselves. I think oftentimes we're going through this journey to this battle to this whatever it is but we don't know why we are going to those things we don't stop and be like wait a minute let me let me stop fighting and just sit there and realizing what i'm fighting for what's the goal of this fight of this trauma of this family relationship what i'm trying to learn from this experience so sitting down with yourself asking yourself those questions you know why are the uh, why am i ex experiencing those situations um and what can i do to change this situation and oftentimes it's not gonna happen the next day. It's gonna happen who knows when, but at least you're aware what you're going through. And which leads me to my second point, which is to seek help. For me, I was raised to be, you know, the strong guy, you know, to <laughs> especially for guys, you know, it's hard for us to rely on other people because it doesn't, it's not, you know, society doesn't see that as strong or something like that, but I rely on other people to, to go through my healing process. By relying on them, I don't mean like let them do the work. I'm trying to say is that reaching out. Because um, you, once you get to know yourself, who you are, what you're fighting for, you're going you're gonna to end up meeting the right person to help you with that fight. So, and you can't meet that person if you don't know who you are, if you're not opening up to other people and putting yourself out there and marketing yourself in, what, in whatever ways that look for you, right? Because for me, although I know 
what I was going through, I didn't know where to go to until I came across the foundation, right? So knowing like where to go to to find some help that could be counseling, that could be whatever it is. And if you could describe the Inspiring Children Foundation in two to three words, the <laughs> impact they've had on you, the impact of the healing process, the opportunity, the great people, how would you describe this foundation? Oh man, I don't know if I can ex- describe it in, in like three words, <laughs> but uh, in like maybe three sentences, let's see. No, I mean, honestly, the foundation is doing what they do is very unique. Um, you don't find that anywhere else in the world, honestly. Like you can do the, your, whole, your whole research on that, you won't find anything. But for me, the foundation is, is a place where you can be you, a place where you have time, you're not being rushed, you're not being yelled at, you're not being, you know, you're just you and whatever that looks like. And the foundation is very diverse. We have people from all over the place, from different crazy backgrounds, you know, and some of them are just have an easier life than other people. But at the end of the day, we all can relate in some ways. We're all connected in spirit and energy. Um, and the foundation provides this environment where we can uh, we can all grow together. We can all grow separately. But at the end of the day, since we're connected, it doesn't even feel like we're going alone. And for me, like I was, I, I don't live in Vegas. So my only time with the foundation has, for the past five years, has always been com- coming to the retreat. But even though when I'm not here full time, I still connected with the foundation when I come back I don't feel like a stranger I'm still part a member of the foundation I definitely would recommend to check it out too (laughs) we welcome everybody so yeah anybody and finally I want to end with what I call five question flash I got five questions for Gary trying to get to know you more as a person that I'd I'd love to hit hit you with so first or second thing that pops to mind you ready for this no (laughs) no okay no no more me (laughs) Number one, who is a historical figure who you really look up to or identify with? Hmm, historical. Kobe is one of those people, I don't know if that's too recent to be historical. But he's, even though I'm not a basketball guy, but for me, when I moved to the U.S., I've always looked up to older people who I can relate to in some ways. And Kobe the way he's an athlete and he's more than just an athlete he's, he's a human being and the way he you know he showed love to other people and the way he gave back uh, was something I always um, inspired by I don't want to get like too deep into that because that's going to get me very emotional on that topic but he's he would be the, the one of those people I love Kobe that yeah. guy's a freaking legend yeah freaking legend okay number two do you have a mantra or a phrase or maybe even a quote that's mm. either you try and live your life by or that's just meaningful to you? Oh, yeah. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, is it Maya Angelou who says that? But I don't remember. But it says, if you know better, you do better. Um, I don't remember who said that. But it's one, of, it's one of my favorite quotes because I think, you know, from my experiences with interacting with, interacting with other people, they do know better. They have education. They have the experience, this and that. But they're not, they're not doing anything to change 
um, a situation or a cause. Um, so for me, you know, I know better. I went through it. I understand it. Um, I li I've lived it. So I need to do better. I need to do better the way I don't take things. I shouldn't take things for granted, right? And when I do, that's me not doing better. That's me wasting someone's, not even my opportunity, like someone's chance who could benefit from that. So powerful. And number three, tell me about a song <laughs> that when you hear it, you just feel moved by or feel that it kind of captures your life. Or if someone were to say, Gary, share with me a song that really speaks to your heart. What's one song that comes to mind? Well, I like the This Is My Fight song by Rachel. It just, it has the beats, <laughs> which keeps you moving, but at the same time, it has like a powerful message. And Rachel has an interesting story too. And I like how her music's come within, like you can understand like what, where she's coming from and you can relate, um, not from her story, but relate on your own with that song, with the lyrics, with the words. They're not just words, but they have some deeper meaning into them once you sit with them. So I listen to that song a lot of times but I do have a playlist of like the songs I go to when I'm feeling down or when I'm feeling like I need to remind, <laughs> to remind myself who am I, what am I doing, what am I fighting for. And number four, when you're going through a battle or an obstacle and you just need to remind yourself who you are, that fighter, someone who has overcome so much and will continue to overcome so much, what do you tell yourself? I usually just remind myself that this fight is not my own. This battle, if I win it, it's not my own. Like I'm going through that this whole suicidal thing. It's that I'm trying to save my life, but it's not only for me. It's the fact that I know if I made it through, if I make it through, I'll be able to um, be there for someone else. So yeah, I always remind myself that whatever the situation is, that could be with grades, that could be with missing a deadline with internships that would be whatever it is i remind myself that okay i'm not doing this for my own but like um finding a greater purpose always keep me going so and number five finally yes <laughs> you have a big billboard in a place in this world that millions of people would see every, <laughs> every day and you had a chance to share it could be a word a phrase a sentence something meaningful to you that you would want to share with other people to brighten their life. What would you want to put on that billboard? I would put a picture of myself <laughs> and a sentence that would, I don't know what that sentence would be, but it just would be a sentence where people can relate to no matter what their background is, no matter what their experiences is. I don't know what I would put on that, but it would be just a picture of my smile and then a couple of sentences. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I know everyone driving past that billboard. Oh, yeah. They would start <laughs> laughing. They'd be filled with joy. Mm, yeah. Because, hey, you got a pretty great smile and great laughter. So, <laughs> thanks, thanks. Gary, it's been just such a gift talking to you today. I'm so humbled um, by your vulnerability and your trust in me to help you share your story with other people. I tell you, you have a lot of courage. And 
I know you're gonna be headed back to, it sounds like, Atlanta or Ohio in the next couple days. You'll be starting your last year, but just know that I'm, I'm here for you and I wanna support you in whatever way I can. And I know you've impacted a lot of people uh, today with your story and your words, so thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me, thanks. This week's Unsung Hero is technology expert and Ongo Science CEO, Rick Henriksen. A graduate of Cal Berkeley, Rick has been utilizing his background in bioengineering to develop a software that allows anyone to develop and create an app, no matter their computer science background. He's chosen to focus his life on improving the health and wellness of all people through technology. Thank you, Rick, for all of your insights during my time in the Foundation. I'm grateful for your vision and commitment to making the world a brighter place. To learn more, check out Ongo Science at ongo.life. You'll love it. And until we meet again, don't forget to keep living as you.